Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Matt. I'm here to take you to task because I understand that there is a secret, quiet, tree-lined magical neighborhood of affordable homes in San Francisco, and you're hiding them from me. File that under the strangest thing we ever heard from someone who... Actually told us that. Yeah. (laughs) She was our client for about five minutes. She was a lot of agents' clients. She was. She said some interesting things. That was just one of them. But there, she was convinced that there was this uh, off-market pool of inventory that was both awesome and affordable. Yeah, she said that she had heard from reliable people that there was a neighborhood in San Francisco where houses were about $100,000. And she wanted us to tell her where it was. You know, this was a long, long time ago, so those houses would be about half a million dollars now. But still, you know, to the point, like, like Britain, are, th- are there these neighborhoods? No. Are there places, sources, uh, non-MLS deals to be had? I mean, you know, do a little hustle for me here. Don't just sit at the computer and type, find me a house. Well, we can do that <laughs> on occasion. We have found um, on a couple of occasions we've written letters to owners of particular homes and said, hey, we have no idea if you're interested in selling, but we have people who are super, super interested in this particular block and the people sold their houses to our clients. And I would like to say, well, yes, it's actually happened a couple of times. There are a lot more letters like that that I've mailed that have gone totally nowhere Yeah, uh, because people think it's a scam. Um, and they think it's a scam because what some listing agents are taught is to send that letter as a pretext to getting a listing appointment. So it's like, hey, I'm going to send you a letter saying I've got 26 clients that are perfectly ready to go to buy your house. Although, you know, maybe it's just one client, whatever it might be. Call me today. And then, you know, the seller picks up the phone, calls this agent, and he's like, yeah, well, let me rush right over and, you know, tell you about the value of your house. And they come out and give them a listing presentation and say, like, here's the value of your house. And yes, I could absolutely put this in a contract with my buyer today, but wouldn't you like to get the highest market value for your home by going on the MLS and exposing it to the wider public? And boom, they got a listing. So often people open those letters and just throw them away. They certainly do. And we don't use it as a listing technique. Um, we only send them when we actually legitimately want to do a deal. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, sometimes uh, we, we have had some success with, with letters over the years. One that people often come to us with because they've been on, on the Internet is uh, pre-foreclosure foreclosures. This is true. Um, there are sites out there, um, one in particular that starts with Z and ends in LO, that lists... <laughs> You can search for property types of um, listed or uh, potential listings. Right. And there are foreclosures and pre-foreclosures. And what they call pre-foreclosures are homes that have had notices of default issued. This means that a seller has not paid um, some portion of their mortgage. I mean, they, they haven't paid their mortgage bill for some number of months, I guess I should say. And then um, I, I'm assuming that it varies in the amount of time that passes between, you know, among different lenders. But then they file as notice of default, which is the first step in foreclosing. But sometimes it's an error 
Um, like if the mortgage has been sold and the paperwork was shoddy for the transfer. Um, I mean, sometimes legitimately people stop paying their mortgage or they stop paying the full amount of the mortgage and then the unpaid interest and principal starts piling up. But yeah, first step, notice of default is filed. Yeah. And, you know, so the reality is in this current market, I mean, we're recording this podcast in 2017. Uh, in this market, this, this inventory, if you can't make your payment and you can't refinance, you that, sell your house. That's crazy. Right. I mean, so first of all, there's just like very, 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 very few of them right now. Right. Um, you know, back when we're in down cycles and, and there are much more of them, the issue you run into is, do you have a realistic seller? Um, you know, because often if you're, financially hurting, which you would be if you're not making your mortgage payments or haven't been able to, you're not going to suddenly be like, oh yeah, my house is worth, you know, 300 grand less than I think it is. Right. So even when those opportunities do exist, like getting to kind of a meeting of the minds, not so much. Uh, and of course, then there is foreclosure, foreclosure, which is not pre-foreclosure. It's foreclosure. People are like, oh, it's foreclosure. It's a deal. Foreclosures we're talking about aren't the, the REOs that show up in the MLS because we're not in that type of a market cycle right now. This is courthouse steps bidding on foreclosures. And that is not for the faint of heart. The, how many, what, what contingencies do you have, Brittany? Uh, let me see. None. <laughs> and what inspections do you get? Um, let me see. None. Probably not even seeing the house prior, prior to making your bid on the courthouse steps. Other than a drive-by? Absolutely, right? The lists are published. You can drive by. I'm sure some people knock on the doors, but, you know, I mean, there, it's, it's not listed. You have no right to go in. And really kind of the, the issue that you get into on these foreclosures is not only are you buying it with no contingencies and with no inspections, but unless you've seen a title report, you're just taking it. And whatever else is on that title report, you're going to be responsible for. Such as unpaid income taxes, unpaid property taxes, unpaid child support, unpaid unpaid, water, unpaid whatever. Water bills, garbage bills. Because it's often the case. Like if you can't pay your mortgage, there's probably some other things you can't pay as well. It's not completely independent. Um, and the way um, property liens work is generally the most recent item to be recorded on a property is the most senior, but that's not always the case. To your point, like IRS liens, property tax liens, uh, there are types of liens that are senior um, and will be. And so, you, you know, you can go down and buy this on the courthouse steps, think you're getting a deal and find out, you know, the IRS is in front of you to the tune of half a million. Yeah. That's um, a lot of money. Which really kind of ruins <laughs> your purchase. Um, you know, so foreclosures, it sounds like not so much. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's more, that's more for, um, people do it. Yeah. But you know, it's people that make a career out of that. Right. And they, and they have friends with the title company. Yeah. So they can, they can see what they're getting into. And, um, but yeah, the prices might look attractive, but they're not. No, I mean, exactly. Right. We actually had a client several years ago buy a place that had been purchased on the courthouse steps subject to, I think it was like maybe $40,000, $50,000 IRS lien. And the seller actually happened to be the agent. And he and his partners had bought it on the courthouse steps, flipped it, and they had 
phenomenally bad timing with the market. And it was when the market was falling and they weren't going to come out ahead on this because they needed to pay this, you know, this tax lien that had been sitting there. And I don't remember all of the details, but they figured, oh, we're going to make so much money. We'll just pay off that tax lien when we sell it. Um, I think they had to come up with money for our closing, if I remember correctly. Ouch. Yeah. And I guess as long as we're talking about, you know, tax bills that go unpaid and suddenly your property is being auctioned off, Hypercidio Terrace. Oh, yeah. That was a fun one. It is a fun one. This is the, the street, Presidio Terrace, the gated street. Well, not literally gated, but it's the little private street over um, off Arguello by the Presidio. Nancy Pelosi used to live there. Um, Feinstein. Did she live there too? I don't, yeah, I thought it was Feinstein who lived there, not Pelosi. But oh, I don't know. I can't, um, anyway, people who have a lot of money. And a few connections. And um, But the street itself is a parcel. Is a, a parcel of property. Doesn't have a house on it. It's a street with cars on it. But because it's a parcel, it had a tax bill. And there was a homeowners association that was responsible was for responsible. that tax bill. And it went unpaid for 30 something years. And the city auctioned it. And some investors from the South Bay bought it for about $95,000. Yeah, I want to say it was like start bidding started at like 10 or 50 and they ended up around 100. And they, so they own this street now. And who knows? There's everyone and their dog is suing everybody and their dog. They tried to have the sale rescinded, or they're trying to have the sale rescinded. And we'll see how well that goes. Yeah, and I mean, it's an interesting, just the way that one was set up. You, you typically don't see HOAs now that have responsibility for property that's like a separate lot and block, right? It's just the, the HOA common areas, um, you know, and the board of supervisors involved. And this isn't, this is apparently the second time that this has happened. Apparently this happened with the exact same piece of land a couple of decades before this. I hadn't heard that part of the story. Yeah. And um, obviously, they gave it back to the HOA. And the HOA went and did it again, apparently. So, <laughs> um, what about what about some of the other... What about probates? Is that a deal? So, probates um, can often be subject to what's called court confirmation, where the accepted bid is opened up in court for competitive bidding at um, a, a designated overbid. The first overbid is 5% higher plus $500. And then after that, the judge sets the increments. It's usually five or $10,000. So if when there's court confirmation, it's all out in the open. The property has been marketed fully and it's not like there's a steal there. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, it seems like there are a lot fewer cases where it actually goes to court confirmation these days. Almost, It seems like probates are all happening under the... IAEA or whatever allows them to not go for court confirmation. Yeah, I see fewer and fewer, it seems like. But, uh, I bet they're quicker. I mean, obviously, it's quicker without court confirmation because you don't have to wait six or eight weeks for your court date and then your 30-day close. Exactly. What about uh, bankruptcy court? Same thing. Open. Um, most of them are subject to court confirmation and um, subject to overbidding and open court. Which is uh, which is what you've done before. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. So if we can't count on uh, pre-foreclosure, foreclosure, bankruptcy, or probate, what can we count on? Paying market value for a property. What about out-of-area agents? Well, sometimes out-of-area agents do something that's uh, Out-of-area-ish. 
did I just say that stupid? So if you and I take a listing here in San Francisco, we automatically put the property in the San Francisco Multiple Listing Service. It's our home MLS. It's where all San Francisco properties should be listed. However, sometimes out-of-area agents list a property and they don't go through the trouble of getting the reciprocal access set up with our MLS. So say a property is listed by an agent whose home MLS is in Hayward. They put a San Francisco property in the, I'm going to say Alameda? I don't know. The over there MLS. <laughs> over there. The yes. Bay. And so people who are searching in most search tools will not find that listing. Um, they'll, they'll find it, again, the, the, the site that starts in Z and ends in LO. They'll find it there. Um, actually, Real Scout aggregates those. But um, You're welcome. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> so, but it's it thanks, was, Jay. <laughs> Jay Pepper Poppins. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if it's not in the in the home MLS, it's not getting fully exposed, and that actually can work to a buyer's benefit because if the whole buyer pool is not using a, additional tools that would give them access to that, they're going to miss that whole listing. Exactly. Hiring an out-of-area agent uh, is one of the best things you can do to not get the best value for your property. And I mean, I know that working in San Francisco, so I'm just going to say that in San Francisco, but I imagine it's true in any market. Well, a great example of that is one of our former colleagues at our former company who had gone to another place said he's a Facebook friend and he put on Facebook that he saw a dramatically underpriced listing come on the market. He called the agent and he said, what are you doing about offers? Which, you know, are you going to send an offer? That's what you do when you're dramatically underpriced here yeah, in the city. Because you give people a chance to see it. And then you, you, as one of my clients describes it, you chum the waters, you get the feeding frenzy going, and then you take offers on your offer date. And this out of area agent who wasn't just like, oh, the agent from Hayward. I think the agent was from LA or like far, far away. Whoa. Um, LA is about as far as you can get and still have a valid California real estate license. And the agent said, well, um, we got an all cash offer already. So we took it. And I mean, he shortchanged his client multiple six figures. And I mean, all cash, who cares? It's all cash to the seller regardless. A lot of the complaints I hear about involve out-of-area agents. So I can think of an... Uh, they weren't LA, but there was an out-of-area agent who years ago had a listing. Um, and back when things were advertised in the Real Estate Times, it showed up there uh, before it hit the MLS just because of run dates and production times. And we got that before it even yeah. hit the market. Um, she was sweet. She was like, yeah... I'll work with you. You guys are nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, that was an interesting one. Yeah. So there's, um, there's, I guess the, the as we were talking about this one, you know, people think that there are are these magical neighborhoods of affordable, beautiful tree lined streets in San Francisco, and the reality is there aren't. Um, you there know, are beautiful tree lined streets. There are uh, tons of them, uh, magical homes, but this idea that, you know, there's there's some secret community where we're all just, you know, buying houses for affordable prices or there's some, you know, source or location. There are, are definitely, you know, non-MLS places 
uh, that, you know, we can check the tree for listings, but that's the rest of the story. That's the rest of the story. Escrow Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Wow.